0: In the face of the current atrocities perpetrated against the Ukrainian people by the government of Russia, we want to make you all aware of an opportunity to provide free therapy to those most impacted by the war in Ukraine. The organization called It's Complicated has created a platform for therapists from all around the world to offer their services for free. Particularly if you speak Ukrainian or Russian, please consider creating a profile at It's Complicated life slash en slash It's complicated is providing a secure online platform to conduct the sessions and will match people needing support with available therapists free of charge. Please consider creating a profile to provide free therapy to those impacted by the war. Go to itscomplicated.life/en/ukraine. We want to give you an update about somatic integration and processing trainings coming up. SIP 1 and SIP 2 are both approved for 21 NBCC hours. And we have big news. They are also each approved for 10 hours of approved advanced credit through MDRIA. So if you're working on your EMDR certification, SIP trainings can count towards your needed advanced training hours. We're so excited to be able to offer this to all of you. More exciting news is that we're offering SIP 1 for an Australian time zone. On July 22nd through the 24th, we will host a virtual training starting at 7 a.m. UTC plus 10. If you're in another time zone, you're welcome to attend this one as well. But we've had so many people from Australia reach out about SIP that we wanted to make it more accessible for all of you. We also have SIP-1 available in American time zones on June 23rd through the 25th and again on October 20th through the 22nd. Go to our website for all this info and more at beyondhealingcenter.com or email us at trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. Thanks so much.
1: Welcome to the Evidence-Based Therapist, where we read so you don't have to.
2: Here you'll find clinicians and researchers discussing cutting-edge research from the embodied relational sciences explaining why and how people work together to find healing.
1: Welcome back to EBT, evidence based Therapist. Here we are. Another week. Another week. Yeah. And still in the same article. Yes. <laughs> I like this as a thing that we yeah. do. Well, it's a...
2: It's a forty-some odd page article mm-hmm. with like over ninety-some
1: odd references. So, yeah, I you think need time.
2: I think it deserves a three-parter,
1: and it outlines ten misconceptions. This is for those that might just be picking up on where we're at. We're now in episode three of the series mm-hmm. of yep. uh, Bruce Eckers' second article that we've reviewed um, on memory reconsolidation: understood and misunderstood. And so, in this article, Ecker is going through very precisely and patiently some of the major misconceptions of um, memory reconsolidation as a psychotherapeutic uh, process of change. Um, that's not necessarily, you know, his or any other researcher's method, but it's a natural neurobiological organic process of changing at the Unconscious, subconscious, and conscious level. It's yeah. a neuro emergent and neuroaffective affective sequential process of change that um, has now, just in the past 20 or 30 years, been really um, outlined mm-hmm. for the first time, which is really yeah. exciting. Um, but in this, as it's contending for the evidence based treatment, uh, kind of empirical research community, um, these are some of the misconceptions that have come out. Uh, about memory reconsolidation, um, and this article published in 2014, so Ecker's effort in this um, was to kind of bring the field to a shared understanding of what memory reconsolidation really is, mm-hmm. so some of the basic kind of components of memory reconsolidation, but then also uh, perhaps dispel some of the conversation that has steered um, the community or the field away from really getting back to what we need to be talking about, which mm-hmm. is why does change happen in psychotherapy? And yeah. if it isn't through memory reconsolidation, then what is it from? Yeah. But really, <clears throat> what Ecker kind of points to again and again is that if change is happening in the therapy room, it's because of this process.
2: Yeah, I think that's super important. Of not only why why it was necessary for him to feel like he had to bring the field together mm-hmm. and kind of get some common language, some commonality, and to really say let's not screw this up mm. let's make sure we're getting this right but i think it also like if this is the base of all change that is long lasting and uh, we've talked in previous episodes there's change that is potentially lasting in extinction but not but not it you're playing a little bit of a game which we'll talk in this mm-hmm. uh, episode a little bit as well but if, if it's true that this is like the foundation of neurobiological change, then it is both like incredibly important to talk about when we talk about EBT's because this is the why of what mm-hmm. we do makes sense. Yes. At the same time, if it's the ground, then it has a ton of branches that offshoot from it. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that as we've been going through the articles from Ecker, both the primer and then this understood, misunderstood article, memory reconsolidation is not just a, because it is, even though it's based in neuroscience, it's Mm -hmm. not just like this super easily defined one shot silver bullet.
1: Product of the empirical scientific method. Yeah.
2: It is explaining a, a neurobiological phenomenon but the ways in which we get to this through Mm. memory, reconsolidation, um, relativity and mismatch Mm -hmm. relativity and, and just different ways to get through the reconsolidation process from laboratories to psychotherapeutics to even like just body work, organic life experiences. Um, there's so many ways. So it's both so simple and yet so complex. Mm. And I, I love that like pendulation we've been doing and, I really want to listeners to feel that, yeah, to to be open to that of like, yeah, this is like super grounding, and also like super launching. It's it, yeah. yeah, find the ways that you relate to these concepts because mm. it's subjectifying in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. So, just for a review. <clears throat> we've been talking about, you know, in the previous episodes about one through three and kind of the intro and then four five and six was the last episode. And now we're on to, we're going to do misconception seven, eight, nine, and 10. Um, and in that, you know, there's space for much conversation, but we really wanted to use this, this episode as sort of a, you know, what is evidence-based therapy and here, um, is one method coherence therapy, uh, more discreetly in this episode but here's one uh, method of therapy that has very strong support Mm -hmm. but at the same time still has its contentions and still has some of the field puzzled about what is it how does it work um, and you know do we need to be more standardized Mm -hmm. in our approach of it more procedural more manualized Um, but in that, um, the misconceptions will kind of lead us to that mm-hmm. kind of conversation. So just for reference, um, <clears throat> the misconceptions we're going to be tackling today are um, that the much older concept of corrective emotional experience already covers everything now being described as reconsolidation and erasure. So That's misconception seven. False. False. Well, Stay tuned for more because we'll, we'll tell you why. <laughs> yeah. uh, misconception eight is that to induce memory reconsolidation, therapists must follow a set protocol derived from laboratory studies. So that was false. Again, false because of you know some of the language that Caleb was using just in the introduction that this isn't the product of some empirical research design that they discovered that this is the way to induce yeah. memory reconsolidation. Um, it's an organic process. Misconception nine, a long standing emotional reaction or behavior sometimes ceases permanently in psychotherapy without guiding the steps uh, that bring about erasure through reconsolidation. And this shows that reconsolidation isn't the only process of transformational change. False. False. Again, on all accounts. Yeah. And finally, misconception 10, carrying out the steps required for reconsolidation and erasure sometimes fails to bring about a transformational change, which means that the reconsolidation process isn't effective for some emotional learnings. Big false. False. I guess we're done. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and we're going home. <laughs> we both
2: looked at each other like, where do we go? Where, yeah. Okay. That's it, I guess. That's it. No, yeah. Good luck, listeners.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, murky there's water so much
2: there to yes. talk about.
1: Yes. So I'm curious, Caleb, as you, you know, as we come to this conversation and knowing as well that this is sort of our last episode on memory consolidation proper for now, mm-hmm. I guarantee for you we'll come back to it, um, but that it is sort of what we're leaving our listeners with as we go then through more of the season mm-hmm. um, where we're talking about what is it? What is evidence-based therapy? Um, what does diagnosis have to do with that? You know, what is this episode meaning to you as you sit here kind of looking out?
2: I think when we start transitioning into the, um, kind of RCTs Mm -hmm. on specific evidence-based therapies, Carrying this lens of memory Mm. reconsolidation the natural phenomenon in which the brain Reorganizes and functionally learns new ways to organize energy and information To apply these to these quote-unquote evidence-based therapies and to see where Mm. There may be points at which the memory reconsolidation process is hit Mm. and both theoretically and um, clinically there are blind spots in some of these therapies that Clinicians just may want to be aware of and could explain why um, the EBTs are not being Mm -hmm. the the gold standard working all the time Mm -hmm. that maybe the connotations of an EBT give us when we read about them. Mm -hmm. Um, Like CBT plus medication for depression. Like Mm -hmm. They're carrying this lens of memory reconsolidation over into reading some of those articles about maybe some of the experiences with CBT and, and the findings they've gotten could help us illuminate, you know, what's missing. Is there a need for integration of other dynamics when we're engaged in this sort of therapy and looking for something that's going to quote unquote lead to successful therapy? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think that with this understanding, you know, I, I loved doing the first season with presenting sort of, you know, the outline of the way we synthesize the field of psychotherapeutics and have so much of the structure in mind of from that, we will then build on our later conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think memory reconsolidation is the last little piece that kind of fills out our Venn diagram that we present in our training and the inner subjectivity of it all just emerges to question things within our field like, okay, so EBT seems to be important to the field both for reimbursement purposes and just for the purposes of feeling confident in your work. How do you even know what that is? And is it what we objectively determine or is it what is subjectively discovered to Mm -hmm. bring about change? Yeah.
2: I even love that. Like even as like a little teaser and I'm sure our listeners know our paradigm already. Yeah. Like if you don't go back and listen to episodes Mm -hmm. and you'll quickly learn that even as we're going through this article the biologically objective phenomenon of memory reconsolidation in its most like n- neuronal level mm. still has subjective influences
1: it must be
2: it, yeah it has to be yeah and so
1: again relative there mismatch, is, like yeah. that just as one example yes it has to be yeah
2: and these networks are experience dependent and so like There is no such thing as an objective treatment that will bring out an objective outcome. Like, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, Our very brain and biological systems are subjectively dependent on our experience and interactions with our
1: world. And this is a bit nuanced to have time for now, but the subject is what learns what the object is. And so if we're to say something has objective value, it is that way because the subject determined it to be so. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking for objective measures in psychotherapy, it's because subjectively something is happening to bring about what then qualifies for the objective measure to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. And that's that to me, if we can just get one thing out of this season, it's this recognition that what we cling to so rigidly in hoping for the... You know, deliverance of the object of ebt that we would subjectify that see it as a wishful desire that has so much hope in it and humanness and <clears throat> i think good intention but if we cling to that object we will sacrifice the subject mm-hmm. of true human experience yeah yeah i think that just deserves to be
2: i think that goes one deserves to be kind of just wrestled with yeah especially the that's a provocative statement Mm -hmm. if you're going to cling to these objective treatments you're going to leave your subjectivity behind yeah and what we know from alan shore the article we did with him is it is your subjective experience of right brain interconnectivity and synchronicity with your client yes that will bring about healing change yes right brain to right brain but I also think like that's connected to, um, I think it's nine.
1: Yeah. Um, when
2: he talks about the laboratory.
1: Yeah. Um, yes. And, a system set up purely to quote unquote be as objective as possible. Hmm. It still then shows that that's not where the hope for psychotherapy is going to be found.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Even in uh, the appendix is like a 10 page. Um, addendum yeah. basically to a laboratory study <laughs> yeah, yeah. and trying to translate that into like why there are serious limitations and how therapists are, are reading that and applying <laughs> those principles to the clinical hour. Yes,
1: one of the subjective desires in this conversation for me also is that to highlight some of the implications that this whole conundrum that we're pointing at now, not just memory reconsolidation, but that our field is transfixed by the enigma of Mm. objectivity like we want it so bad and we train our you know clinicians and are really just looking at counselor education or or, you know psychological education as being so steeped and skewed by objectivity we put so much hope in these Mm. rcts and we put so much hope in this you know objective way of viewing reality that we miss the whole point it's Mm. not to be content with the object the picture of what was but to look at the subject that Mm. will create objects forever that's what a subject does Mm -hmm. but it's really to point at you know a fairly scathing critique of counselor education that you know this whole content process you know continuum is really contingent on what do you think about objectivity what do you Mm. think about subjectivity yeah and what's what are we really doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Do you want to do you want to dive in? I'm in. Well, why don't you go ahead and read seven? Yeah, I'm making a note for later because that sparked a thought in me. Oh, there you that go. That will come
1: back around too. Okay, so. To recap, Misconception 7 is the much older concept of corrective emotional experience already covers everything now being described as reconsolidation and erasure. We've said multiple times throughout this um, article and really this just this season that the language is so important mm-hmm. because you hear the phrase corrective emotional experience. You could perhaps think that to be synonymous with a mismatched experience. Totally. Yeah. It's what do you mean it's corrective? Like it's 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 correcting this, you know, truncated, pro-symptom insulated, kind of maladaptive beliefs belief belief like schema or entire network. So Mm -hmm. yeah, why not corrective emotional experience? Why is that not sufficient?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's in that language that we again we lose the trail.
2: Yeah. And I don't think people are far off by like assuming that corrective means a reworking of some old something that's missing right the difference though is in the praxis of corrective emotional experiences neurobiologically you can miss Mm -hmm. activation and certain systems that lead to extinction rather than erasure yeah it's going to come back to that
1: crux again
2: yeah i and i feel like we've spent so much time on that because that is really so important to understand Mm -hmm. um If I'm giving a client a corrective emotional experience, but I am not also in a sort of dual awareness way, activating the self system that is connected to the learned behaviors of the original um, emotional learning, learning, Mm -hmm. then I will just further augment like this.
1: Through the process of extinction.
2: Yeah, this disassociation of these two networks where they're not linked they're not integrated mm-hmm. and so then you get the extinction war based on the way the brain is experiencing the environment determines whether
1: which system comes up right um, yeah what is you know it's perhaps overly simplistic but what is going to get more reward versus punishment in this con you know this state dependent context
2: yeah yeah he gives the example and i, I I think we can kind of spin off on this for a little bit Um, of a client who walks in the office and accidentally knocks a clock off the table and the therapist says, and gets all like super apologetic Mm -hmm. and oh my goodness. And the um, clinician says like, it's really okay to me. That's a small thing and not a problem at all. Little accidents happen all the time for all of us, including myself. Can you see that I'm not, uh, not at all upset. And so then they spend some time kind of processing that in session Mm. And that feels like a moment of in which the therapist mind says, "Oh, that's super powerful. Yeah, there must be something in they're them. activated. Yeah, there's yeah. an activation, and I can dispel that, provide some regulate mm-hmm. a regulating experience that brings in my own subjectivity into the room. That's great. And honestly, that I feel like that is really great.
1: Like mm-hmm. to
2: notice that to really." Right brain and right brain connect in that yeah. to bring about regulation, that even is,
1: in yeah that co-regulation. Like saying, yeah. can you know, little accidents like that happen for all of us, including me? Can yeah. Can you see that I'm not at all upset? Yeah. Like it's just a blatant invitation to connect.
2: Yes, and that is huge. But he goes on to say, like that is not memory reconsolidation. Yes, that is a corrective emotional experience, and that. The brain was attempt, uh, attempting to use a generalized construct on the clinician. Mm-hmm. And that experience then nuances the clinician, the internal representation in the client's mind of the clinician that doesn't get upset when the clock gets knocked over. Yeah. But that is not a reconsolidated um, memory network to the original. What yes. makes the client feel so, so flustered? making a mistake and
1: i think because are you planning to read the second piece of dialogue there
2: um i could okay i need to find it i I have it here i can
1: read it as well but before we do this i think that this is an excellent point of what this just practically looks like
2: yeah yeah this is very grounded so
1: grounded super simple it's not overly you know kind of involved in terms of okay if i'm doing memory consolidation you know i, I think sometimes in the context of emdr because it's i do a lot of consultation with that and so people are like okay do you have the buzzers or not like do you mm. have like what where, you know super detailed questions about the procedure yeah. But i feel like this example though it may be small and pretty specific gives a window into the mechanism mm. of inviting someone to have a mismatched experience and yeah. thus, you know reconnecting with that an original emotional learning and offering to the system that juxtaposition yeah um so again as you're listening to the way this was or, or the way this is read kind of imagine it vividly um basically ecker goes into describing that perhaps if we really were to be patient in in looking at what is underneath the activation that they're feeling Perhaps it's something like mom's rage and disgust at me for any accident or mistake uh, because that means I'm worthless if I do anything wrong and I expect anyone else to react to me that way too. But then the therapist guides a juxtaposition experience, for example, by saying empathetically or empathically, all along you're expecting that anyone would go into rage and disgust at you for any little thing you do wrong, just as mom did so many times. And yet here you're having an experience of me feeling it's really no big deal at all that you accidentally knocked over this little clock. Can you hold both of those at once and see what that feels like?
2: Yeah. That I like, I boxed that. I put like 17 stars around that just because the amount of times I'm saying to clients, what happens if we hold both of those together in this moment? And that is both like very understandable to the client mm-hmm. very like an easy intervention for me as a therapist but neurobiologically that is why offering complex. so much <laughs> of their brain to come into a space where whole networks integrating that have inhibitory connections mm. like they're not touching for a reason I'm inviting that connection yeah. in a safe and regulated space and what the brain is doing in that moment when it does i wish we could literally see it happen i do too like (laughs) Like
1: that would be so
2: yeah it's but it's like when you see two cells yeah like join yeah and then something new emerges like that is such a wild process but to me like that's what i'm seeking
1: yeah and it's utterly human like that's Yeah. That's what I love about this. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what happens with humans. Like that process, I feel like we've talked about this. Oh, yeah, we were talking about the social neuron theory. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like anything that we experience outside of us is only there because it's inside. Mm. Like I think about the process of conception, like sperm and egg create this entirely new emergent process. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about healing, it's that exact same concept. Like we're making something new out of this to, you know, become one. Yes. Yeah.
2: Or what I liked, and we've talked about this, is two become a third. Yes. Yeah. They don't the, lose. Yeah. Yeah. Identity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope. I love that you pointed out how practical this is, and it's oriented towards a very grounded. Yeah. Like this is, if you work with EMDR, I'm I'm sure you're hearing, like how so, easy this like float back, bring into the present, reprocess. That such a small moment can turn into a very therapeutic floatback. Or if you're using more relational yeah. therapies, like it's this gives you like ideas and language around so much. what are like the virtual others in so the space? Much. What's the transference that's happening? How do I work intersubjectively with that? Yeah.
1: yeah. So maybe to recap this principle, um, you know, what would be. The corrective emotional experience might be the first reading, the way that you had mm-hmm. read it, Caleb. Of, you know, oh, really, it's no big deal at all. It happens to so many people, even myself. Can you see that I'm mm-hmm. not upset about it? Can you sit with that with me now? That may be a corrective emotional experience because in that the the client's mind might be offered, oh, not everybody yeah. is going to respond to me with you know in a you know judgment or. Uh, I'm guilty or I should be sorry, Um, perhaps not conscious of the underlying early or original emotional learning that created that disturbance and behavior of activation in the first place. The corrective emotional experience doesn't require that type Mm -hmm. of acknowledgement. But the memory reconsolidative process of the juxtaposition might be to directly address why that might be happening that activation yeah and in so doing offering the juxtaposed mismatched experience to then weigh together yeah and and like in this example
2: the corrective emotional experience for the client if we just stop there the brain would still say i'm worthless if i do anything wrong except mm-hmm. with you Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas if we can juxtapose this one time, this one time, yeah, if we can if we can um, associate and juxtapose, insert a new learning and go through memory reconsolidation, mm-hmm. that I'm worthless when I do anything wrong except with you this one time, can transform into I am worth value, and I just make mistakes I did once in my past and. Or I did in my past and my mom would get really mad at me. But that doesn't mean that that I'm worthless. Or
1: that other people will view me the same way. Yeah. Like it it generalizes across those. Yeah. And what we, you know, the, we brought up rigs in the last conversation. Mm-hmm. But it generalizes to all of these other representations. Or at least has the potential to. I don't want to speak so absolutely. But yeah, it has the potential. Has the potential to generalize and update older emotional learnings that are perhaps not even in these associated rigs. Yeah. It just seems to have a connection yeah oh maybe we can like adopt this in other realms of our life Mm -hmm. not just in caretaking dyads yeah but maybe to friends yeah maybe to my partner yeah i love
2: shifting core self representations And not just stopping at shifting other representations. Yeah. Which I feel like that is also a way to talk about what the difference between a corrective corrective emotional experience is. Oh, that's good. If I just stop at the corrective emotional experience, I'm just shifting their other representation of me. Yeah. But if we go to memory reconsolidation, I'm not only shifting their other representation of me, but their self-representation of themselves. Yes. And that's what I'm looking for. I want that to happen. And
1: I think that, you know, credit... Given where it's due, I I think that it's worthwhile to hope for the other representation to change and for that to be good for therapy. Yeah, like symptom reduction happens when in we that. feel yes, absolutely yeah. when we feel less anxious in our world because we now know that not everybody is going to respond the way that my mom does. That's a good thing.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the mismatch. Yes. Yeah, that's the mismatch moment. But are we? Mismatching into a whole nother self system, or are we staying with that self system, mismatching and providing a just juxtapositional experience that brings along a new learning for the self? Yes, that's what's for the self,
1: Caleb. It's good to talk to you, man. Ah, I love
2: this. This is so good. It's good stuff. That's that's seven. Yeah, yeah. I also want to point just because he makes like a little note of this that um, he says new experiences that can disconfirm and dissolve existing problematic schemas arise not only in the form of the therapist's responses but also in the course of the client's everyday life. And these are as fully as useful for juxtaposition as a client's experience of the therapist. And so I feel like sometimes this is that moment, and we talk about this in SAP, where like, something radically changes Mm. after a session Mm. or in between sessions. And that's amazing and like beautiful. But then sometimes we just like leave it like, I don't know what happened, but let's follow
1: it. There's been change. Yeah.
2: And his, this, as long as, as well as um, I think it's misconception nine, he talks about, you know, going back to Mm. that and saying, there was something that happened in your everyday life that had a juxtapositioning experience. yeah, um, A mismatch error in there. yeah. And I want to make sure that your brain is really integrating that as a reconsolidated experience, not just let's run with this new strategy.
1: Yeah, I wanna spin up more on that, um, but there's not time. But mm. to talk about what are some really practical ways of further highlighting that that took place mm. and perhaps Inviting that integration to be embodied even more so, because I think about all of the different somatic exercises or even just sensory pairing that you can do to really sink that in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think yeah. There's a lot we could talk about. There, yeah.
2: And I think like the body not only gives you those cues that it had a mismatch, error experience sometime in in the <laughs> week, but then yeah, as a key in the further integration. Mm-hmm Um, because you're talking that unconscious integration of sensory experience Mm -hmm. parts of the brain that we can tap into further and further really changing that self-representation absolutely so
1: i feel like this is going to help us with misconception aid like this one's going to take no time at all to induce memory reconsolidation and erasure uh, therapists must follow a set protocol derived from laboratory studies we've kind of hit on why this is A farce in Mm -hmm. the conversation thus far that memory reconsolidation is not an objectively discovered reality it's a subjectively discovered reality it's something that we are just now finding the breadcrumbs that paint the picture yeah it wasn't a manualized therapy that then created the process
2: yeah yeah i love that that is like uh, an ebt quote unquote like memory reconsolidation And really like EBT more so as like a phenomenologically grounded um, theory of mental change. Yeah. That it is like not, it was, yes, there are laboratory studies.
1: That can observe it. Can
2: observe it and.
1: Detail its order.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that the world is what is providing us with mismatched experience. That's
1: really the radical critique in all of this to me is that what if the metric we've been using to determine what we call evidence-based therapy favors objectivity over subjectivity?
2: But And doesn't that make sense, though? It makes absolute sense. As one, as subjects that are therapists that are anxious, fearful, and those are based out of our care circuits that want to do good, we're also tethered to the medical model, which, like the number of times I'm having to have conversations with new clients it says like, I literally can't change you. Yeah. I can't open up your brain,
1: change your, your
2: biological makeup and structure to just like change this. We have to co-create experiences that result in the change and through
1: invitation
2: alone through invitation alone. Yeah. And, But it makes sense that we don't like that.
1: (laughs) No, that's powerless. Yeah. Like you're only then in control of yourself and the invitations uh, I sent. Yeah. And even in that, are you in control of yourself? Like, I Mm. don't know. Like, you (laughs) know, like it's it's money. It's yeah, it's very murky. Yeah. But that is that is the real, which Mm -hmm. is traumatic. For sure. Yeah. But
2: Yeah. For you to just quote Lacan there. You gotta. You gotta.
1: When it's there, you take it.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: But that's, I mean, I honestly think that that's where, you know, our culture favors objectivity because it sold us the belief that you don't have to be afraid of the real. Mm -hmm. It's knowable. You can know all of it. You just have to objectify it enough. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I feel like at some point we're going to have to do um, a series on a psychoanalytic um, articulation of the cultural, like... Wishfulness of therapists and how we like want it's like filled with like squee like yeah. Yeah. how it makes sense that we wish, but that that wishfulness like has to be seen for what it is. It, that can't be what we're really aiming for because it's a wish for things to be different than they are. Yeah, and that's why we we like use Lacan, who's a psychoanalyst, his idea that the real. Big R. The actuality. The actuality of everything is fundamentally traumatic. It is more than I can totally know and understand at any given moment. Yeah. It's also why we were meant to be. That's why we're wired for connection. Yeah. Meant to be in community. We weren't meant to hold all of it ourselves. You can't. You can't.
1: Yeah. And that's, again, social neuron theory. Like, we couldn't do that. Yeah. That's not in us. Yeah. As mammals. Yeah. Yeah there's no possibility that we could go outside of ourselves and create that mm-hmm. because we die yeah you know we, we talked about this wow we're on a bend right now we are on Sorry, a bend. but, but like, it connects to nine yeah. i'll bring it back around okay, you keep going six, i'll bring it back yeah around. i appreciate that um because we die objects are created out of the like f- the fantasy mm. that they'll last forever yeah but it's just a fantasy the subject that created it will die. Yeah. But that is traumatic to mm-hmm. wrestle with that. Don't do that. So the objectivity comes along and says, what if I told you that I could immortalize you? What yeah. if I could keep you from the real? Yeah. Just hide in me. Mm-hmm. That,
2: like that last, just hide in me, I feel like can be a, very provocative towards manualized treatments. Oh. Oh. Yes. Just no. hide in me. Just hide behind. Yes. My my questions, my manualized Procedure. what we have statistically shown as as effective effective. Um, just hide. And that is both not a villainization nor a heroic celebration. That is simply just a yes. I see the adaptability of that. And, and that's missing something.
1: Like the, yeah, wishfulness, the wishfulness, every time we I talk about it, it like b- almost brings me to tears. I get it. Mm-hmm. Of course. When we feel that we are alone and have to do it ourselves, hmm. find a good object. Yeah. Find a good object. But when we're together, can we please see through them? hmm
2: hmm yeah i think when just coming back to the article that is what the posture of misconception aid is Mm -hmm. this is not some laboratory thing like there are million ways million places and million spaces to facilitate memory reconsolidation because it's organic yeah and so for therapists this feels very encouraging Mm -hmm. i mean given our view here at beyond this is encouraging to us (laughs) yeah that it is like as long as you're a human and you're willing to engage in your subjectivity you can find the way memory reconsolidation feels most natural to you and co-create that with your clients yeah own who you are and how you are as as possible yeah yes and invite clients into the reconsolidation process in whatever way is Connective to you and them together. Mm -hmm. You
1: co-create those. Yes um, And in consultation, I'll say often that when I describe how I would respond to this case that you're bringing me It is in no way me telling you how to do it Mm -hmm. Because I want you to find the way that fits you. Yeah, but that's the way I can't objectify The way that I would go about something and hope that it would produce the type of effect that you so long for
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I can't yeah, I'm not there. Yeah, It's yours. It's beautiful. This whole work is crazy. It's
2: crazy. We say that so much. I know. This is crazy. This
1: work is nuts.
2: Yeah. Hey, if you're a therapist, give yourself a little pat on the back. You do crazy. Even if you're not a therapist. If you're a human.
1: If you're listening to this.
2: (laughs) If you're listening to this, give yourself a little pat on the back because you've probably given someone a memory-reconsolidating juxtapositional experience. And you deserve a good old high five for that. That's
1: right. Does that ever happen to you?
2: Has that ever happened to you?
1: <laughs> You're listening to a podcast and you end up getting a high five. And you just end up high fiving yourself
2: in the car. Hey, both hands on the wheel. Seriously. Okay. Misconception. <laughs> that was like a window into yeah. <laughs> what it's like every time right before we start this and right or after we Anytime end. we talk. Humans, <laughs> anytime we talk. Yeah, besides
1: yeah. in this kind of format. Yeah. Okay.
2: Misconception number nine. A long-standing emotional reaction or behavior sometimes ceases permanently in psychotherapy without guiding the steps that bring about erasure through reconsolidation. This shows that reconsolidation is not the only process of transformational change.
1: In, In response to this, I find my answer, like if someone were to say that to me objectively, I would have a strategy of answering that question that assumes that i know the answer
3: hmm.
1: what i mean by that is i would say well i understand that you feel you're not doing memory reconsolidation in these other therapies but you are hmm. and i'd go about showing them the way that the the things they're doing actually do align with yeah the natural memory reconsolidative process but there's my old philosophy professors in my head talking about circular reasoning and how you should, you know, mm-hmm. you should try and, and see if you can observe this in a different way. Um, but I'm curious what just the language of that question brings up for you. Yeah. Or so that misconception. Yeah.
2: Like gut instinct was, I even wrote it in the margin. I was like, yeah, but you have to hold extinction with an open hand as if it's a bit of a game with the environment. Mm. like, i can get change and and that means that like things can be different in therapy things
1: can be different in their life but if it doesn't majorly different not just like small yeah but like boundaries set in relationships that were creating major dysfunction
2: yes yeah and like i think of like solution focused like Mm -hmm. sick we can get some great change with that sort of paradigm of thinking. And it will get change. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about deep neurobiological transformational change, we're playing a game because we don't quite know if what we're doing is extinction or erasure. Yeah.
4: Time. And if we've not, we
2: <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. Time feels like the critical uh, dynamic or, or um, factor yeah. variable yeah. in this equation because if I am not connecting in the present, the brain's past experiences with what is showing up now, and I'm not like holding that with an open hand, then I won't get transformational change. I'll probably be aiming at extinction. Just yeah. cut and try again. Yep. And that Here's doesn't mean way. that if if the context in your life gives you something more similar to what has happened in the past that you won't forget everything we've talked about and go back to these old strategies. Um, that's just how the brain works. And so mm-hmm. time being this like moment where if you're really gonna seek transformational change, let's we have to have some pendulation with time. Mm-hmm. We have to be in the present moment. We have to go into the past. We have to find the present in the past. We have to bring the past into the present. And we have to really experience holding the two things together the yeah. two past and present experiences because what emerges language. is adaptive networks
1: yeah i love that language discovering the present in the past that's a deep cut that is a deep cut
2: it goes back i think that's a bridger that's is that a bridger uh, original
1: yeah yeah goes i mean i'm sure i'm not the person but yeah i'm uh, but yeah i remember texting in my life, it to you it in was... class discovering the past and the present yep
2: yeah yeah but I, I feel that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And I think there's like that dual attention of what's coming up here. I want to find, um, and this is where he's, he talks about hindsight analysis. Mm-hmm. He talks about if there is change in the present, can we understand through hindsight analysis where that change is different from what would usually take place? And how can we see, he talks about the, um, the disconfirmed what is it? The disconfirmed knowledge mm-hmm. can sometimes show up before the disconfirmed schema. Yeah. So they can know something is different. Through experience, yeah. Yeah, and they can start to change some things, but they've not disconfirmed the deep-held schema. And when you hear schema, you can also think of what we were talking about earlier
1: of self-other representation. Yeah, I was going to say, this is deeper than cognitive schemas Yeah. that a lot of people assume when you say schema you're thinking very cognitive mm-hmm. like the rules of the situation yeah like that's this is yes. deeper than that yes down to really like an, a person's internal working model mm-hmm. of a situation yeah yeah yeah
2: deeply unconscious self-system urgent process yes yeah yeah that are experience dependent again
1: mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah the way ecker sums this up is that thus when the steps required for reconsolidation and erasure have not been overtly or deliberately guided in therapy and yet transformational changes observed to occur, this does not imply that a process other than reconsolidation is responsible for the change. Um, in that kind of that answer being that, well, not, hum, not, uh, arrogantly, you know, um, insisting, on the process of memory reconsolidation in its kind of manualized form as the only way to produce change. Hmm. It's saying that the neurobiological process of memory reconsolidation is the way that transformational, which you need to understand what they mean by transformational, Transformational, yeah, that that's the way transformational change occurs in the human organism. Mm -hmm. So if if you believe transformational change is happening, if you can evidence that over time, as we've been talking then it is the result of memory reconsolidation not yeah. this process like not this therapy or this whatever it's the neurobiological reality of memory reconsolidation yeah
2: i want to just take because we have 10 left but i want to just spin up just a little bit there mm. of like what we're talking about in transformational change like is getting i feel like modern counseling theory saw freud's unconscious as this like terrible place Mm -hmm. and we don't we don't we reject theories of unconsciousness because it's it was knowable yeah it's not knowable yes (laughs) yeah number one it's not (laughs) knowable
1: number two
2: is that it was painted in such a repressive impulsive instinctual primitive way archaic yeah yeah but okay like take a step back we don't have
1: that view we don't
2: have that view it's actually a beautiful (laughs) it's yeah it's a beautifully adaptive experience dependent part of your brain that is
1: most subjective place of you
2: yeah and i'm not saying anything after that because that is both provocative and like beautiful it's crazy like just sit with that your unconscious is actually the most subjective part of you and to go further if you as a therapist are not working with some level of these unconscious self-systems you're not hitting transformational change that's it you're hitting directional change yep you're trying to just simply guide the client away from the place they find themselves now which is okay which is fine (laughs) that's not bad the The only thing that it just is it's limited, and it's playing the game of if things in the environment take a shift to reactivate these d- deep self systems in the brain that are unconscious mm. the client will revert um and and will kind of reactivate these neural networks if there's not deep
1: transformational change. Yes, and I to me, I am so thankful for my education. I'm so thankful specifically in understanding Latin and Greek and some of the classic languages because mm-hmm. the word transform it you know has word parts that are very important to the English language. Trans and form um, in themselves are very very um, complex and entirely like uh, dynamic changing processes. Mm-hmm. That to transform something doesn't just mean to, you know, turn it into a different object. It literally means to change its essence. Mm. To change its its beingness. Yeah. So in that way, we're not just trading an object for another object or a strategy for strategy, extinction, corrective emotional experience. We're actually trying to get at the change of the subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah
2: yeah i we could spin up so much on how sip actually conceptualizes that with the intra-objective and intra-subjective domains yes. um
1: but yeah. and the core self yes but i don't think we have time for that but i would love to just say it just for fun a that little teaser in, the, in in the unconscious that's our intra-subjective and in the subconscious that's transition into the intra-objective and that's the conscious. Then is that full realm? Yeah. Um. And that's just beautiful. Yeah. When we, when you found that, that was a good day. Yeah, that was a good day. Okay. Number so, ten.
2: Oh, well, I was going to summarize know? number nine. There's no other transformational change processes other than memory reconsolidation.
1: By the definition of transformational
2: transformational change, change deep brain reworking right
1: the field of traumatology and that then would say the transformational change is in the stages of therapy that Mm -hmm. it is yes symptom reduction it is treatment of traumatic memory and And integration integration of, of self yeah that is transformational change which is the emergent product of memory reconsolidation yeah and i
2: hope listeners are hearing like the way that those three phases now fit to mismatched experience and um new learning Mm -hmm. integration all of that yep but i just (laughs) Just, wanted to get that just just get that just simple right (laughs) i should have got that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah there's a couple i think you should leave quotes that have been sprinkled in here that i just want to if the listener is in that realm of like potential thought like is that I just want them to be affirmed. Right. But that so is that is what that is. And I'm sorry to just like is.
1: do it, but.
2: It's a part of the subjective experience between us. Yeah. And
1: who you are and who we are.
2: Yeah. So misconception 10. I feel like every time we get to the end of one, we go on this little like subjective, like, let's just process what's coming up between us. <laughs> All right. Next <laughs> okay, one. Okay.
1: Next one. Yeah. And that's fine. That's, that's fine. That's yeah. how we do yeah. most
2: things. Welcome to subjectivity.
1: Yeah. What did uh, Angel say? Bust. Boston. Bostonstein?
2: Bostonstein. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Boston and Falkenstein. All right, Misconception 10. Carrying out the steps required for reconsolidation and erasure sometimes fails to bring about a transformational change, which means that the reconsolidation process is not effective for some emotional learnings. False,
1: but... At this point, I feel
2: like... Redundant. Yeah. Yeah. Although it does... So um, there's four major reasons why um, Ecker... I almost said Perry, but that's like a nice Freudian slip there. Um, Ecker um, lays out why transformational change may not be occurring in therapy when therapists think they're engaging in the reconsolidation process. Mm -hmm. So the first one is resistance to disillusion. So what when he's talking, what he means by disillusion is that open, that deconsolidation of the emotional learning memory network mm. that then lets go of its rigidity towards the strategy mm-hmm. by inserting a new learning. And then when that integrates, it creates new cortical layers of meaning, story, um, explicit change in articulation. So as we go higher up in the brain and more into the left zones, we're getting kind of difference of articulation and experience
1: yeah this is the strength of strategy combined with the pro-symptom insulation
2: yes yeah so when you think about like guiding someone through transformational change he 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 brings about like the potential that the brain through places and this is kind of my study of like the inhibitory networks of the anterior cingulate cortex yeah connected to the medial prefrontal Mm -hmm. cortex which are higher brain structures that are anticipating and holding across time yes experiences that they don't want to happen
1: these are also key key to our disintegration of mind yeah and theory of mind yes yeah. yeah. yeah yeah um so
2: then these networks are sending efferent signals that are which is top of the brain into the body so Top down mm-hmm. basically is the direction of these uh, neurons, efferent signals down to inhibit the integration of these experiences, these afferent right. and processes. To,
1: to quite literally like cut and cut stop. It. Yeah.
2: And and why does that make sense that the brain would do that? If I have been living my life disintegrated for 20 years, yep. and I find integration, that's how not do survival
1: I, positive.
2: Yeah. Well then I have a tremendous amount of affect that will then reemerge in this loop that my brain is doing because I just realized I spent 20 years living as half of a human or like struggling or like, you know, there's, there's experiences that then I have to re-experience because my strategies have kept me away from those affect experiences. Mm. They have, this is where like, um, uh, definition of, um, uh, trauma as a- affective intolerance without connection yeah that experience then creates these emotional learnings that avoid the traumatic
1: experience again the, the movie Shutter Island just came to my mind Oh, okay because that's when he starts to wake up to what they've labeled the schizophrenic mm. projections it's this overwhelm of the real yeah but then when he is treated goes back to denying it but there's this like haunting of you still know yeah that this is not real what you're seeing yeah that there's other reality yes but that's that's the efferent process of the brain saying it's not survival positive for us to integrate
2: yeah this. it's going to bring up emotions that we aren't equipped to emotions
1: deal social situations confrontation and negative appraisal from others yeah not good yeah Shut and for therapists
2: down. i'm sure they they know what that feels like of you know why clients are resisting changes because change would mean that they're going to have to experience situations, interactions, yes. um, their own internal like workings that have emotions and affects that may feel intolerable to them. Yeah. They're not used to feeling them or they don't feel safe enough to feel them. And so they'll they'll resist the dissolution of those learning circuits. Yes. And so that's that's important. That's one yeah. reason why reconsolidation may not be working
1: so too is multiple symptom generating schemas yes and i think that those are intimately related as well because that's one element that i i I appreciated the delineation of these ideas but i didn't like that there wasn't a and it could be them all Mm. because we're complex emergent processes yeah so it's not to say like oh look at this one this is it Mm. these feed each other like they're they're reciprocally conditioned so that's one element that i'm like man i wish there was just a little bit of language around the complexity of transformational change
2: in this way yeah say more about what you mean because i'm i'm pretty sure i'm there but like how multiple symptom generating schemas may actually be a strategy for resisting the disillusion of an emotional learning network
1: yeah so i mean i think about a complex grief relationship with a parent mm-hmm. um where there is this clinging to the caregiver for the space that they provided for us to occupy which which um you know de or um i'm playing on the word that you just used the um inhibited um oh gosh that like shut down our ability to um voice our frustration or our um you know correct the boundaries that were thrown away and so we then have now these this internal fragmentation Hmm. of i am an object who obeys and who does not Hmm. voice frustration or pain yeah but I now just have to be caretaken, you know. Just as one example, to where there are so many elements or, or templates there that are established for interpersonal dynamics, that it's not necessarily dissolution to blame. Mm-hmm. That it's actually the the convergence of these multiple dynamics that were established early on mm-hmm. for how you will handle expectation from others, for how you will handle power dynamics, for how you will interpret and understand your own care and your own needs. How you then go about naming those or not naming those. What do you do then with the suppressed affect? Like all of those are now five or six, you know, template like generating machines that you can't just look at the dissolution of one. Yeah. And expect that to explain why.
2: Yeah. Those
1: are wired together explosions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They're neurosequentially dependent on one another. Yeah. And so to put tug on one is going to call in the full pro symptom insulation of the others.
2: Yeah, and I think that's so important for, like, when we talk about the loops that the brain goes on Mm -hmm. from bottom to top, right to left, like, eventually, in my meaning that I make of my experience that required some sort of adaptive strategy, Mm -hmm. my meaning is then going to re-impact the strategy that I use. This is story, follow state, follow story, follow state, follow Mm -hmm. story, follow state. Yes. It it goes on where... Reciprocally conditioning our brains to find more reasons to stay with the strategy And what we're what we're doing in therapy is we're suggesting Often that we are catching or not that we're suggesting we're catching one of mm-hmm. the strategies that is Insulating yes the core strategy
1: indicative of a deeper yeah. Emotional learning. Yeah.
2: And so we have to sort of follow yes. the breadcrumbs or the trail of strategies. That's
1: a complex process. The third one is non-implementation. And mm. in this, it's a it's two sentences, perhaps. Yeah. And it's attributed to relatively new therapists guiding this process. I don't think that's the only way that non-implementation might be affecting our like observance of memory reconsolidation. Because just what you named. The layers are so deep. And the overlap of these different symptom-generating schemas is so dense and foggy that you may think that it was the reconsolidative process that was initiated because of the strength of the evoked emotional learning Mm -hmm. and that juxtaposing mismatched, you know, relatively mismatched experience, holding them in tension and there seems to be change. Yeah. But what happens when regression occurs? That yeah. would suggest that that maybe was extinction. Then, dang it. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Or is it actually just a new strategy from a different network yeah. coming in to say, "I can counterbalance this." Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It was extinction, and maybe it extinguished mm-hmm. one like strategy, but we w- the brain is still being fired bottom up at a deeper layer of the self representation that then produces. strategy is it yeah yeah i like that you're saying implementation is more nuanced and complex than yeah in the article he does kind of just say like well you know like new new therapists may think they're doing doing, but they're not doing it but you know they're they're just not ready yet or not ready yet but like they're just like learning i think that's true right yeah i
1: think the reason that they get confused is because of the complexity of this process we're talking about now yeah yeah it's not just because they're new and they got the steps confused or they didn't oh you didn't pick the right mismatched experience right no like you're dealing not with a you know 96 channel switchboard like the old telephone systems you're dealing with a (laughs) multi-billion uh interconnected system yeah yeah that's dense
2: yeah i was i've been on this kick of reading some uh, really deep level neuroscience on kind of the difference between like modularity theory oh, yeah. and uh, process oriented systems of the brain and how we conceptualize like the different modules of the brain and then how those modules
1: Are, work together and
2: process yeah, themselves and
1: connected in process yeah Yeah.
2: and the way they talk about it is a small world organization of a large world yes so you have if i want to create a movie i have no idea how to create a movie but maybe i have an idea but i do know somebody who knows how to film so then i connect with somebody who knows how to film and that person to share the idea yeah that person knows other people that i would never know who can provide lights and sound and actors directing and and, mm -hmm. yeah so now i have a large world that has become become suddenly small because of the specializations of these quote unquote people and or brains as systems yeah yeah and when we look at memory reconsolidation the trickiness is that we could be working with just a not the boss right. not the originator of the idea but with just one of the connection points absolutely and we're in this process and one like as therapists saying it it's possible to get to those deeper layers and to really do reconsolidative work that is transformational so don't let this like muddiness language like like, oh crap well maybe i shouldn't be a therapist it is possible and also too allows us to be humble in our work not only with ourselves but with the clients like yes i was just talking over lunch today with someone that says like yeah i mean pretty much what i'm doing in a weird way is convincing my client hey, pay me money. And here's the thing. We're going to spend weeks having no idea what we're doing, but we're going to be doing stuff only to one day randomly wake up and say, holy crap, we've been doing something. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's understanding what what happened, what emerged. Uh, I sometimes use um, Kierkegaard's like living into life, but understanding it backwards. Yeah. um, Metaphor to, to say like, yeah, we're, we, we can do this, but it's not always clean yeah. because it's subject to subject. Yeah. We may think we're doing memory reconsolidation with a core emotional learning, but really it's of a strategy that branches yeah. off the core emotional I learning. I love
1: that. And I think that that matches that analogy of the 96 channel switchboard. Like you think it's just pulling from 48 and pulling, putting it into channel two, mm-hmm. but really what is making up the tether that you're un, you're unplugging? Yeah. It's a multi billion layer system that's itself so interconnected and responsive to external stimuli so So just by enacting it yeah you are changing it Mm -hmm. and it's responding to you yeah and that's just the organic like to me just fantasy of psychotherapy it's just it's so enigmatic it's so beautiful yeah yeah
2: the last, the last reason he talks about how transformational change through the reconsolidation process may not be um, happening and, and therefore like the second half of Misconception 10 is so reconsolidation process is not effective for some emotional learnings. The last kind of section he talks about this is that some experiences and some um, expressions of subjectivity aren't based on learning. So he talks about um, uh, spectrum disorders. Yeah. He talks Neurodiversity. about- um, Physiologically based experiences of depression. Those aren't um, based on emotional learnings. You can't do reconsolidation work on-
1: Yeah. Or perhaps if, perhaps they are not now, but if, you know, cause to me like depression and anxiety I think are excellent examples where you know you you hear arguments of pointing at the structural uh kind of originators of some of these chemical interactions that are creating Mm -hmm. the subjective experience of depression and you say therefore it's it's a medical issue it's based in structure not in psychology i think that's a really like loose game loose yeah because who's to say yeah the time order relationship is not de- demonstrable. you can't you can't look at that and tell me that it didn't originate interpersonally. Mm-hmm. So perhaps what is structural, yes, even autism, is something that is based interpersonally at first, mm-hmm. but because of the utterly intimate interaction between sensitive stages of growth and the interpersonal dynamic that's updating the internal working model of self and other. You see structural changes that now in themselves are concrete yeah manifestations of strategy
2: yeah we'll talk about in uh, sip trainings the difference between um, neurobiological development and neurobiological specialization through organization mm-hmm. and what you're talking about is like there may be organizational structures that we can play with not play with, but we can reorganize the structures. But there's still, any organization that we do is still structurally dependent. Yes, And that may- There's parameters. Yeah, that may kind of change the way we view reconsolidation, shifting emotional learning, changing specializations in the brain. Yes,
1: Um, I was talking about this um, in the limitations of the neuroplasticity. mm, Yeah. People think that it's, we can move mountains no no
2: if we could that would almost be depressing (laughs) you could be you could become me yes you would stop being bridger and you could become Caleb
1: just by the alteration yeah
2: it's to say that you're the
1: result of the structure
2: yeah yeah which is like also totally wishful yeah it's wishful and and you know that that is a provocative statement that Mm -hmm. like your brain development also leads to your subjectivity right yes and yes and Yeah, Yeah. yeah 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 But I think we wrestle with that, like, well, can we, are we either determinant, determinants, or are we, like, able to move mountains? Yeah. The language you're saying, it's like, and even to use, like, reconsolidation, (laughs) what happens if we hold those two together? Yes, exactly. What emerges is, like, a more subjective, like, lens to experience the other. Yes. Um, Our clients, ourselves. Other people in our worlds, um, it's both. It but that both. may be one of the contributing factors for the tension around why reconsolidation feels maybe like it's hitting some barriers in treatment.
1: Yes, um, I love which is also
2: why oh. integrated care, holistic holistic care, is so so crucial. It's essential. Yeah, and yeah, we have community health centers that's great if you work in one awesome if you own one awesome i hope that it's a subjectively oriented health center yes i'm in my experience aware of community health centers that are objectifying and what if like we all knew this research Mm -hmm. what if the nutritionist the massage therapist the chiropractor the functional movement specialist the, psychotherapist. the brain surgeon, yes, like the psychotherapist, the pediatrician, the pediatrician. Everyone was grounded in this.
1: That's the hope of SIP right there. That is the hope. We're trying,
2: and you're along for the ride, listener. That's right. Thanks yes. for being here.
1: Yeah. Mm. Time is not of the essence at this moment.
2: No, I, have I am nowhere. super excited though for where we're headed. Yeah, and and listeners, like catching the pendulation of memory reconsolidation feeling that it is both a grounding and like ever evolving like experience
1: because welcome to being human yeah
2: yeah i wrote uh that thought i had the earlier that i forgot was the paradox of process and product mm. that when we focus only on product we will get a less desirable product yes but when we are totally in the process this is we will get the this, desired product. just this
1: last weekend when we were talking about the what to do yeah. like, to these therapists that are so concerned with but what is the specifics like just i promise yeah it will come it will that that product that you're wanting will come if you focus on the process yeah it can't it can do nothing but come yeah if you focus on the process yeah and actually, like you saying that is is
2: based in the hope of, like this is where I find Yaqponseb's affective circuitry mm-hmm. to be like f- fundamentally hopeful. Mm-hmm. Like you have you have um, ancestral passion, yeah. birthed in your biological structures that are oriented towards care, protection, grieving what has been lost, playing when it is safe, like yes seeking what you need like if you trust yourself your your beingness your subjectivity, and you're in the process you the product you desire which is healing and connection
1: it will come it had like it can do nothing but like that's yeah. the that's the crazy part to me it's it it's inevitable mm. what a
2: beautiful like period To this series of articles on memory consolidation,
1: it's inevitable.
2: Yeah, boy, could we spin up more? That's
1: right. Thank you for listening, Um, Caleb. Thank you. Oh my goodness! Always, my friend. Yes. Thanks for being here,
2: sharing space. Thanks for listening and sharing this unique 21st century inner subjective space. Yeah. Um, Here we are. Yeah, Bridger and I are sitting in a room. With a new microphone configuration that allows us to be even more like Just subjectively together. present with each other. Yeah. And you even heard that, and like we feel different, like yeah. joking in moments where when we had the headphones and the microphone we right in front wouldn't. of us, we probably
1: wouldn't have. Yeah.
2: And I hope the listeners feel that. And I appreciate them for joining
1: in on that. Yeah, absolutely. Take care, everyone. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will help you stay curious and create community around discussing the research that matters most to clinicians and researchers.
2: If you're curious to learn more about something you heard today, check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and go to the trainings tab for more information on our upcoming case conceptualization trainings and community events. You can also contact us by emailing trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com.
1: If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes. Leave us a review and follow us on social media by searching the Evidence-Based Therapist podcast. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, a media creation group committed to creativity, community, and embracing the beauty of being human. If you like this podcast, you might also like the other podcasts of Beyond Healing Media.
4: Notice That is an EMDR podcast hosted by EMDR approved consultants and trainers who use EMDR in their practice.
1: Beyond Trauma is an educational podcast on the journey of trauma therapy and what it means to be humans who have been hurt, but are learning to recover and grow, living the life we all want of safety and connection. The burnout educator is an interview style podcast that invites stories from people across the spectrum of the educational
2: system and seeks to see the human inside the role they play. It is our desire that you see parts of your story and those around you in the stories you hear.
4: If you enjoy what you hear on these episodes and are interested in speaking with one of us at beyond healing Institute, we would love for you to reach out about our consultation opportunities of all the many things that we do. Consultation is one of the things that we enjoy most. We love supporting other clinicians and conceptualizing their cases from a neurobiological and nervous system-informed perspective. We offer individual and group consultation for somatic integration and processing, as well as for EMDR therapy. Individual consultation is a great way to get personal time to reflect on your cases and how you and your work influence one another. Group consultation offers so many opportunities for learning and connection with other like-minded clinicians. Our greatest mission at Beyond Healing Institute is to offer opportunities for professional development and create a supportive community in the field of mental health.
1: Beyond Healing Institute is excited to announce that we're moving. Okay, well, we're not moving our building, but we're moving our trainings, continuing education resources, and community events to Canvas. This will help you as a member of the community to stay in contact with other members of the Beyond Healing community, while also providing a platform that brings consistency and convenience to all of our trainings and course offerings. Canvas is an online learning management system that will be your home base for all things Beyond Healing, as well as a virtual campus that will house all of our trainings and continuing education resources. We're so excited to invite you to our virtual campus on Canvas, And we hope to see you there soon.